Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. Before we get started on tonight's episode, I thought I would give you a brief programming update. I think uh, with the schedule changes and everything that have happened over the past couple of months, um, going forward for April, I would expect around three to four episodes a week. I will try to vary the content, maybe bring in a couple of guest hosts and, and different interview subjects to try and keep it fresh and probably go off topic, as well as do some pre-draft coverage, because at some point the NHL draft will happen. I don't know when that happening is going to be, but we'll just kind of game plan for the future, because it, it definitely is going to be a thing. I think the biggest question is whether or not the rest of the season is going to happen. That is, of course, what remains outstanding. But for the time being, we will continue to discuss prospects and different upcoming NHL events as if they are at least somewhat on track. I think that there are a few that will probably still occur. But again, I think the regular season and playoffs are the primary concern for most folks. With the housekeeping out of the way, I thought it would be kind of fun to talk about some sports movies and TV series that are either ones that you can watch right now or ones that have come out before and maybe aren't really on streaming services or those that you might find on Netflix and Amazon Prime. And I'll kind of give my thoughts on each different show or movie. I did talk about a few of them on at least the hockey films a couple of a uh, couple of weeks ago, maybe even longer than that. But these will be more general sports movies. A couple of the hockey movies will make appearances here, but generally speaking, I'm going to try to branch out into other sports that you may not be thinking about. We'll start with the hockey ones, though, first. I think the boilerplate hockey sports movie that anyone ever talks about is going to be Miracle. And Miracle is good for a couple of reasons. I think that the film does a great job of presenting a very heroic story as far as a plucky group of college kids who take a gamble, really, in believing in head coach Herb Brooks's vision for hockey. And at this time, of course, the Russian national team was the super team. Nobody matched their tactics, their strength, their ferocity, and their skill on the ice. Anytime the NHL All-Stars would go against the squad, they'd get wiped. And to be fair, nobody in the world was matching Russia's ta talent and, and ability. This was, for all intents and purposes, a sports super team, and obviously you just don't see that many floating around like that anymore. I would say that this squad was particularly special with Trediak in net and all sorts of high-end forwards and defensemen who could really wipe the ice with just about any team. That same U.S. squad that would eventually go on to win gold in the 1980 Olympics ended up getting squashed by this Russian team the first time they faced them. And it's not really shocking. You think about just how, you know, organized and special that Russian team was going against a bunch of younger, scrawnier, smaller guys who really came out of college for the most part and had only been together for a few months. It really is unbelievable that somehow all of that coalesced into such a crazy, unbelievable story. And that's why I feel like the Miracle film does a great job of dramatizing it you know, obviously there are some short shortcuts and, and simplifications of things, but I think on the whole, it gets the atmosphere of the games, of the gravitas of the situation, and just the era of uncertainty that pervaded around the 1980 Olympics. I think that it understands those atmospheric elements perfectly and really builds in that sense of anticipation, a little bit of dread, anxiety, but ultimately catharsis once the U.S. is able to overcome the boogeyman and beat the Russian team. 
it's a film that actually continues to age pretty well. I think that, you know, obviously it's not the world's most sophisticated film, but on the whole, I would say it's probably one of the better written, better scripted, and better produced and directed films out of the sports genre. Usually films like Miracle aren't particularly good, but this one, this one gets my stamp of approval because I think it does a great job to the story. I think that it does a, a nice job presenting the era in which it's taking place, and it feels... It feels dramatic without feeling overwrought or overwritten. I think that it does, of course, take some creative liberties, but not enough where you feel like this film isn't authentic in some capacity. Now, the next hockey film on this list is going to be Goon. And Goon is kind of funny because it comes out of the slapshot school of comedy in which you probably can't repeat most of the jokes to your friends, your family, or most certainly not your coworkers. And I think it does a good job of parodying hockey culture without really disrespecting it. I'll get this out of the way. The jokes are pretty offensive and definitely it's not as bad as like Slapshot, but obviously the humor in this film is pretty lowbrow and it's meant to, in some ways, skewer hockey culture a bit because it's all about these meathead guys who are not exactly the brightest. They're a bunch of, well, a step above beer league, even though they technically play pro hockey. And obviously this film is inspired by, or at least loosely based on, the real-life stories of one particular NHL goon. The film is definitely not supposed to be taken seriously, but the funny thing about Goon is that it generally feels like it understands at least minor league hockey culture or pro hockey culture in general to a pretty good tee. A lot of the quips and stuff this guys say, appropriate or otherwise, tend to be the sorts of things that you'd probably actually hear in like a beer league hockey room. Whether or not that's positive is up to you to decide, but obviously the film kind of plays a lot of this stuff up for both a little bit of laughter and also quietly parodying the whole bro culture and stuff that that it's engrossed in. This is a film that's not really out to make a statement, and it definitely doesn't as far as I can tell. But there are some moments where you'd be surprised by the fact that Goon is perhaps not afraid to, while poking fun at something and maybe making a little bit of satire out of it, is also saying, "Mm, you know, is this really what we want to see? For the most part, though, it's definitely just a body action-packed comedy about hockey that also happens to have hockey players. It's more about a guy who can't really do anything and finds the one particular niche that hockey fans seem to adore over and over again, and that's fighting. The film is definitely not one for uh, saying that fighting is bad or anything. It's it's not out to make that kind of statement either. It's just kind of having fun with the whole concept. And again, you know, enjoying and reveling in some of the, I guess, down and dirty aspects of hockey culture, but in some ways it doesn't always feel like it glorifies it either. It is an interesting film in the sense that it does feel like the natural successor to something like Slapshot. Of course, Slapshot is is considered an all-time classic for a variety of reasons, but I think Goon does a decent job of honoring the legacy and putting a fresh coat of paint on it for the modern era. It's probably not a film that would get made again, just because I feel like with with all the stuff that we know about goonery and CTEs and whatnot, or at least what the research is starting to point to, obviously there's a little more sensitivity required. But if you'd like a relic of past hockey films that's actually not that old and still contemporary enough to be presentable to most audiences in the current era, it's fun to check out for a few minutes. Coming from Amazon Prime, there are actually quite a few sports films and documentaries that you may not be aware of, and some of them are pretty decent. I'll say that Amazon is certainly not a uh, not a company that shied away from investing heavily into documentary series and TV productions, but even by their standards, I think that they have some really fantastic documentaries available. And of course, one of the most well-known franchises 
is their all or nothing documentary series. Now I haven't seen most of them. I know that they have a couple of football ones. They've got an all blacks, New Zealand rugby series. They also have uh, the one that I've seen, which is all or nothing Manchester city. And I thought that this is a great series. Obviously, as far as documentaries go, this one is a little bit more stylized than most. I think that some of the other documentaries technically go into more detail and have maybe a more grounded approach. I feel like All or Nothing Man City does a great job of of putting a more humanistic and also filmic view on things. It's definitely a series that shows high production values. It's very crisp, clear. It has even some kind of a film effect on it. I think it's kind of one of those series that's meant to look a little more like a, a movie than it is a documentary series, but it's very well done. I think it gives you a very uncensored look into the back rooms of what goes on for, say, a major club like Man City. You know, Pep Guardiola goes on his rants against his team. Obviously, you know, in the press he says he'll defend his players, but in the locker room he tells the truth. And if he thinks that you're not performing and, and not up to snuff, he'll call you out on it. The series kind of takes you through many stages of one of their seasons, you know, the highs and the lows, their successes and failures, injuries, you know, new transfers, trainings, all of that stuff, it, it kind of goes through detail. Amazon also produced a slightly lesser-known series, and this one actually follows Borussia Dortmund during their season last year, in which they basically, you know, became a new team and were sort of on the warpath for what looked like a short title run in the Bundesliga. Now, if you've never seen the German Bundesliga, for the most part, people know that it's been dominated by Bayern München for most of the past couple of years. And Bayern, of course, are really an international footballing giant. They can recruit the top talent, they can buy talent, they can develop it in their own systems, even though right now their prospect pool is a little thin. But, of course, when you have guys like Robert Lewandowski, Leon Goretzka, Thomas Müller, at one point Frank Ribery, and Aaron Robin, I mean, this is a squad that consistently has, has dominated German football for years. And Borussia Dortmund, for the first time in a long time since the Jurgen Klopp era, actually pushed... Bayern to the brink last season. Of course, you know, Borussia Dortmund ended up stumbling late on, and this series kind of dives into that back half of the season where their first half kind of was like how the Jets did this year. They vastly overperformed their expected goal performances, and maybe the team wasn't really as good as it looked on paper, but the second half, things kind of normalized to a point where Dortmund were basically struggling and scrapping for points, and the mood was starting to get very dim very quickly. What I like about Inside Borussia Dortmund is that it also dives into the team's history, which I think is something that not many people really know about. I, you know, I myself wasn't super well educated on a lot of the, you know, coal mining ties and things. Obviously, most folks know that Dortmund is a pretty small city. In fact, it's like a mining town, really, when you think about it. And, you know, until recently, the industries drove that city and drove the passion of the fan base. With the mines now shut down, things have started to shift and change. But Dortmund has always been a coal mining town first, and that's kind of why when you talk about their rivals in Schalke, who are another mining and industrial town, they have such a, a passionate blue-collar fan base. Both teams have always been for the fans and a, you know, a strong connection to the people and locals there. So inside Borussia Dortmund kind of talks about that a little bit. You know, They even talk about, say, their equipment manager, who used to work in the mines himself. But, you know, they don't just talk about the sports side of it. They say, you know, here's this equipment manager who, who hands out jerseys and equipment whenever the guys ask for it. But, you know, he's used to working in high-pressure situations in the mines. And now here he finds himself 
working for Borussia Dortmund, but knowing that a lot of his friends who worked in the mines don't have a job now, and how that's often a, a difficult psychological thing that you carry because you know you're working for this team, but you're keenly aware that your friends have no job and and they don't have a steady source of income, and that can weigh heavily on some folks. And what I also think that this series kind of dives into is is how the play, you know players in the team really dealt with the, uh, the the bus bombing during the Champions League series run a couple of years ago under Tuchel. And for a lot of guys, that that was a very complex, difficult, and traumatizing event that most of them still haven't recovered from. A lot of the players that were on that team aren't there anymore, and some of them left specifically because of the bombing. They couldn't, they could not psychologically be around that team and have everything that had happened. They needed to, to relocate and get a fresh change of scenery. A really intense series, but one that's kind of understated and also very, you know, reverend of the, the team's history. But I think if you have any interest in German football, and specifically of one of the most historical, most well-known, you know, perhaps occasionally an underdog team, Inside Borussia Dortmund is one that I would highly recommend. Lastly, if you just kind of want to relive a more simplistic presentation, the uh, Amazon Prime series also seems to offer all of the World Cup goals from the past couple of World Cups, including 2006, 2014, and 2018. I think it's kind of a fun little thing to do because I think 2018 had some unbelievable goals and might be one of the most exciting World Cups that we see for the next several years. I think that the next World Cup is going to be markedly different in a lot of ways. So kind of reliving 2018's crazy French team and some of the crazy stuff that happened, I think is is really worth checking out. 2018 had some absolutely unbelievable stuff, and I think most people will always remember Benjamin Pavard's goal for, for France, but of course, you know, Charisma had an amazing belter. I think uh, most folks are going to remember the Korean goals that ended up sinking Germany and knocking them out of the World Cup. There's a lot of cool stuff on there, and I feel like if you want to spend, like, I don't know how long it is, it's probably like an hour and a half or so, it's a cool way to sort of relive some of the coolest goals from a tournament that we may not get much of going forward. Before we continue our sports film countdown, I thought I'd give a PSA to all you local Winnipeg business owners. If you've been a listener of this podcast, you've no doubt heard about all of the great advertisers currently working with Locked On to reach sports fans around the world. What you may not know, though, is that Locked On Winnipeg Jets is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Jets fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your company the unique ability to reach local Jets fans on a routine basis. These aren't just any podcast listeners, they're hardcore Locked On listeners. And they're incredibly rabid sports fans. If your company wants to connect with Jets fans who are predominantly male, well-educated, and with disposable income, then feel free to drop us a line here at the Locked On Network. Local fans love supporting local businesses, and we love supporting you. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising and drop us a line. Our team will work with you step-by-step to achieve the greatest level of Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you soon. On Netflix, there are a couple of interesting films, some of which I've already talked about. You can find Goon and Miracle there, but you can also find an interesting documentary series called Sunderland Till I Die. Now, if you've never heard of Sunderland, they're one of uh, England's lower-tier teams, and they used to have a pretty proud history, but unfortunately a lot of things have kind of conspired against Sunderland to basically remain in the lower territories of, of the Premier League's lower rungs. Unfortunately, they aren't really likely to climb back, but... Sunderland's fans are unbelievably passionate, loyal, and really frustrated in a, in a lot of respects with both the performance of the players and the ownership of the team. 
And the series is very interesting in sort of diving into the nitty-gritty between team ownership squads, uh, players, the relationship with fans, how all of these things are sort of negotiated, and ultimately what happens when you're a team like Sunderland who don't really have much of a chance of getting promoted. You know, how do the fans deal with it? What happens when the management really doesn't have control of the situation? And, and what ultimately transpires in a season where most things aren't looking up. It's not exactly an upper of a series, but it's definitely interesting to see such a passionate fan base and, you know, the small, dedicated, loyal group that continues to support Sunderland and, and what it means to that community. Ultimately, you know, the, the series is called Sunderland Till I Die, and I think that that really encapsulates the mood of, of the people who are most loyal fans of that squad. On Amazon, there's another football-related series that I, I kind of have mixed feelings about. It's called um, The English Game, and it's from the folks who did Downton Abbey. My opinion on the, the English Game is that it's kind of, I don't know, it's alright. I think that it's perhaps a little bit dramatized. It, it purports to tell some of the initial origins of Premier League football and English football through the eyes of a, a couple of essentially Scottish guys who come over and take over a team in Darwin. I think most folks have said that as far as historical accuracy is concerned, this is not a film that exactly is is true to the real story and, and probably changes quite a few details. Um, I think you can find it on Netflix, actually, not Amazon. But I, I don't know. The series is a little bit soap opera-y at times. I think that they try to speed things up at times, and there are some plot parts where I think they wrote in some convenience things. But overall, I guess it's an interesting period piece uh, I would give it like a mixed review. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's as bad as some folks have said. But as as far as pacing goes and scripting and writing are concerned, I think it is a little bit messy. And I think a lot of the off-pitch character drama tends to drag down the stuff that's fundamental to the core of the whole series. Which is kind of funny because this is from the folks who did Downton Abbey. You would think off-the-pitch human drama is something that they do very well. But this film doesn't really have the strength of those characters or the, the pacing and, and, I guess, focus of that narrative. Netflix also has a very good documentary series called Formula One Drive to Survive, and if you've never seen it, it's another one of those uncensored sports films in the sense that it kind of does like the All or Nothing series, where it dives pretty deep into essentially how these players and drivers are behind the scenes and how the team management structures behave. I think I've probably mentioned it on this podcast before, but really it is very good, and I think a new season just came out. If you kind of want an inside look at what it's like to be one of the top drivers in the world and how they negotiate both the pressures of dealing with consistent mechanical failures, team tactical failures, and their own mistakes, I think it's very interesting. And it shows the private lives of some of these guys who are, for the most part, unreachable and untouchable to the average person. I've given you a pretty decent list of, of films and series that you can definitely check out if you are interested and have the time, but I'd certainly be loving to hear what you guys have to say. I think with uh, us being trapped in the house a little bit more, we have more time to kind of ch- catch up on all of the series and films that we didn't really get a chance to watch before. You know, obviously people can sit through pandemic and whatnot, but there are some better series perhaps to spend your time on if you want something that's maybe not quite as dour and, and unhappy. I will say uh, one final one that's just kind of funny, and that's perhaps not great. It's also very silly, but it's still one of my favorite films. It's going to be Shaolin Soccer. If you've never seen Shaolin Soccer, I'm not going to spoil it for you. It's one of the most insane sports films you've ever seen because it's not really a sports film. It's a martial arts-infused football film that, frankly, can't be described. You're just going to have to sit through and watch it. It's really funny, very awkward, 
very confusing, and somehow it just got made. I don't know how, but if you've ever seen Captain Tsubasa, I think it's trying to make fun of that a little bit. It's a great film, though, a lot of fun, and obviously it's it's pretty cheesy, so you know, bear that in mind when you check it out. All right, folks, thanks so much for listening. Be sure to tune in to our NHL Locked On National Show now. Have a great night. See you tomorrow, and go Jets go.